It's the early morning of March 31st, 2012. And on Jurong West Street 65 in Singapore, two police officers raced through the estate. They had a strange call of a disturbance at Block 633 in an apartment 14 floors high. For the past few hours, they have been receiving all sorts of complaints in their apartment. Loud groans, a shouting match, even groans of pain. According to the records, there were two tenants staying inside. Lovers, Gabriel Lee and Elsie Lai. With each call and subsequent visit, things didn't seem too out of place for the pair. At most, Elsie looked a little pale, but she had no physical injuries. It didn't seem like domestic abuse, and the police didn't think much. But this time, the call was scary. Because it wasn't the public who called, but the paramedics. According to them, it was unsafe. Springing into action, the police made their way briskly through the crisscross red top floor to Jurong West Block 633. The early morning sun cast long shadows as the fresh breeze ruffled the trees. One officer, likely noticing a shortcut under the soft daylight, signaled to the other to cross a small grass patch. Over there! Over there! Before stopping abruptly, with a gasp. How could this be? Looking closer, the ominous scene became clear, and a chilling realization gripped him, sending a cold wave from his neck down to his spine. His legs felt like they might buckle. What is it? Staring right back at him, nestled eerily by the grass patch, was a solitary, detached human eye. You're listening to Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by Mediacorp and produced by 1UP Media. This episode contains scenes of graphic imagery and violence. Listener discretion is advised. The case that you're about to learn is one of the most unnatural cases of death, least of all in Singapore. For an island nation that prides itself on being squeaky clean, this case would turn everything on its head. It would involve decapitations, spiritual possession, and reveal how insanity, if left unchecked, can drive one down a dark road. At the heart of it are two lovers, a 37-year-old security guard named Gabriel Lee Holling, and a 24-year-old administrative officer named Elsie Lilik Chi. Miss Lai was born the eldest of three children to a 50-year-old Madam Chen Yuk Moi and 59-year-old Lai Yong Song. Her younger brother Lai Jin Chao would become a businessman while the youngest Jin Yuan was still studying in school. It is assumed that they lived a fairly simple life, with their father who works as a carpenter. Growing up, Miss Lai was known to be very trusting and kind-hearted, a beautiful trait that would lead her to meet Gabriel Lee. 
not much is known about Gabriel, except that he worked as a security guard and was married to a lawyer with two children. In April 2011, the pair met online via a social networking site. The chemistry in their relationship was immediate and profound. Within weeks of conversation, Miss Lai would learn of all the troubles that Gabriel had, including a divorce with his current wife. The pair soon grew inseparable, and Miss Lai brought the news to her mother. Ma, there's someone I want to tell you about. Elsie began hesitantly, her fingers playing with the edge of her dress. His name's Gabriel. We met online. Madam Chen's eyebrows raised in surprise. Online, Elsie, is this what has been keeping you out late? Elsie nodded, her face flushed with a mix of excitement and embarrassment. Yes, Ma, we connected instantly. He understands me, Ma, like no one else has. He's been through a lot, especially with his ongoing divorce. Elsie, a divorce? You've always been so trusting, but this sounds rushed. Just weeks of knowing him online, and now you're this involved, Ma. I know it seems fast, but when you know, you just know. He's opened up to me, shared things he hasn't with anyone else. I know he's the one. Immediately, Madam Chen disapproved of their relationship, and decided that she would need much more convincing for their relationship. But Miss Lai was undeterred and certain of their affection. So she decided to take the drastic step and move in with Gabriel in June, just two months of knowing each other. It was understood that the pair had a good start, deeply enthralled by each other, and sharing the heady romance that would have one agreeing to anything, even accusations of possession. In December that year, a startling realization hit Gabriel that their apartment might be haunted. And that his lover, Miss Lai, was possessed. You might wonder why it was so sudden, and why Gabriel was so sure about it. Well, that's because Gabriel was experiencing the onset of psychosis, a group of mental conditions that includes schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and depression. When psychosis hits someone, they enter a state unable to distinguish between fact or fiction. Think of it almost like your inspiration or convictions. When you feel convicted to succeed, it comes to you almost naturally. You don't question if the convictions are real. You simply experience them, react, and work hard. For Gabriel, who was undergoing psychosis, he would feel that his house was haunted with the same certainty that you experience your convictions. It would be all-encompassing, certain, and to some degree disabling. People with medical psychosis must be treated with medication, and it's almost impossible to counsel them out of psychosis. Unfortunately, Miss Lai was ill-equipped to understand these changes, least of all Gabriel, which continued deteriorating until December of 2011, where his convictions would prove insurmountable. After confiding in Miss Lai, he insisted that she must undergo exorcism, and took her to the Catholic Church to request a rite. However, 
the church, sensing something was wrong, refused the pair. So instead, Gabriel packed the Bible in a waste pouch and insisted that Miss Lai bring it wherever she goes, hoping that perhaps it could keep the demons in. Elsie? Lucifer. Elsie? Lucifer. What was that? Gabriel might have thought as the new calendar year began. By early 2012, Gabriel's condition continued to escalate. So far gone and convinced was Gabriel that his belief started to spill over onto Miss Lai. So Elsie, Elsie, her colleagues whispered. What's in the bag? Oh, nothing. Just a Bible. A Bible? Why would you carry it everywhere? Taking a brief pause, Miss Lai clutched the Bible in her trembling hand. She hesitated, her voice quivering as she whispered, I believe I might be possessed. Records state that when questioned about the Bible, Miss Lai responded with a simple statement, asserting that she was indeed under the influence of some malevolent force. It seems that she was slowly entering Gabriel's world now, a place where fact and fiction intertwines, and it was as if the very air around her held a subtle warning, a premonition of impending doom, signaling that some dark fate was lurking just round the corner, ready to pounce on her unsuspecting soul. Come March 2012, the pair were reaching their one-year anniversary. And to celebrate, they decided to plan a trip to Genting Highlands in Malaysia. Maybe it was the enchanting allure of the Genting Skyway, the breathtaking vistas that unfolded before their eyes, or perhaps the thrilling diversity of experiences offered by the resorts. On that particular night, under the spell of it all, Gabriel was consumed by an unwavering certainty that Miss Lai was the one meant to be his life partner, his future wife. Down on one knee, he proposed, Elsie, will you marry me? As certain as when they first met, Miss Lai agreed, and the pair were engaged. To many, it might seem almost ludicrous why Miss Elsie Lai continued her relationship through to marriage with Gabriel, despite all the warning signs and challenges. But it's important to know that she had never gained her mother's approval of their relationship, and not once had her family met Gabriel. Suppose you had been fighting for your love right from the very beginning, defying your parents' wishes. The weight of your past decisions and the struggles you've endured would have surely made it difficult to change course. While we may never fully know the reason behind Miss Lai's convictions, it's hard to place judgment when we aren't in her shoes. It's now March 30th, 2012. At 6pm, only 13 hours remain before a dislodged human eye would be discovered at the base of Block 633. Just days ago, Miss Lai and Gabriel had returned from Genting Highlands in bliss. But today, it seemed like the magic was gone. 
In its place were strange groaning noises coming from the kitchen bathroom. It was understood that both Miss Lai and Gabriel were inside. Far from passion, their groans were interspersed with loud, indiscernible conversations. At the time, there were two other housemates living in the same apartment. Understandably, one of them decided to leave the house, giving the couple their own time. But when he returned close to three hours later, he was stunned to learn that both Miss Lai and Gabriel were still in the bathroom. It seemed too unnatural, and it left an unsettling feeling in the air, as if something was amiss and out of place. But what was it? Meanwhile, in the apartment above them, a domestic helper was busy wrapping up her chores when she heard shouting. What exactly is going on? Straining her ears, the words started to become clearer. Go back. Go back to the sky. That's strange, she thought. Back at the apartment, time dragged on and each passing hour added to the growing tension in the room. Then, out of nowhere, there was a sudden ominous creak as the kitchen door swung open. The two housemates couldn't resist the urge to sneak a peek. And as they watched, Miss Lai stepped out into the dimly lit corridor. But something was undeniably amiss. Elsie was pale and supported weakly by Gabriel. Afraid of what's happening, the housemates secretly watch as they retreat to their room hoping that the worst is now behind them. When suddenly, the scene unfolding before them was undeniably weird. Even considering Gabriel's usual behavior, one of the housemates decided to grab their phone and the tension in the room was palpable. Hello? Yeah, I would like to report a disturbance. We, we think there might be a dispute going on. There's been a lot of loud groaning and shouting. We're not sure if it's safe, but it's definitely getting out of hand. It's now 11.17pm, about eight hours before authorities will discover a detached human eye at the foot of Block 633. Inside the flat, two police officers were present, and they were now questioning Gabriel seeking answers regarding the strange noises and frantic shouting that had been reported earlier. So, tell us again. Sir, it's nothing. Gabriel sheepishly replied. I did quarrel with Elsie, but that's all. Right. The police officer cautiously peered into the room. There, on the mattress, lay Elsie. She appeared frail and ghostly pale but her feeble breaths confirmed that she was alive. As his gaze swept over her form, he conducted a thorough visual inspection. The officer's eyes discerned no visible signs of physical harm or injury, but perhaps prompted by standard procedure or a lingering suspicion, he posed a question. Could Elsie tell us how she feels? I'm fine. A weak reply came. I'm just tired from a recent abortion. All right. The situation remained perplexing, but based on their initial assessment, there were no apparent signs of abuse. Just making sure that everything's okay. 
we've got a few noise complaints. At 11.40pm, the police left, hoping that it would be the last time they heard of this. But unfortunately, it would not. Throughout the long and restless night, the tenants were subjected to a symphony of unsettling sounds. A haunting medley of groans, wails, whines and piercing screams that seemed to echo through the walls of the flat. A great tragedy was about to unfold, and a severed human eye was now laying at the foot of Block 633. That's coming up in the next episode. Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast, is brought to you by MediaCorp and 1UP Media. This episode was produced and written by Guangjin, edited by Alex, narrated by Jason, audio experience by Ethan Sam, additional engineering by Ashley from 1UP Media. Special thanks to executive producer Danny Cordy from MediaCorp. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next one.